Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Robbie Falk from 24-7 Sports, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk joining you on a Monday morning. Thanks for joining us at supertalk.fm or wherever it is that you get podcasts from. We appreciate all you guys out there, our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. want to thank our sponsors over at Strange Brew Coffee House and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Start your day the right way. The trip to the drive-thru over at Strange Brew Coffee House here in Starkville or in Tuscaloosa or at Brupolo over in Tupelo. It would be a little weird, Robbie, if Brupolo was in Magnolia. Uh, that would be... Would it be weird though? Because it's kind of in it's kind of in Magnolia now. It's in the Magnolia State. Yeah, but now we're really homing in on the Magnolia part of it. Brunolia. Magbrua. Mag no Magbrua uh, Br- doesn't Brunolia really work either. Yeah, Brunolia works better. So shout out to the Carr brothers, Brooks and Rusty down there in Magnolia, Mississippi. Longtime friends of mine, former four horsemen. Uh that is a that's a that's a uh Pinebelt area, isn't it? No, Magnolia's down uh, around Macomb. It's in Pike County. Okay, is that below the Pine Belt? Well, I mean, it's on the other side of the state. I thought the Pine Belt was like South Mississippi. It's like Southeast Mississippi. It's it's, it's like in the west, the Gulf Coast, basically like above from like Loosedale to uh, to Meridian. It would be like the Pine Belt for me. See, I need I need a complete breakdown of the state because there's there's areas of the state that I call Central Mississippi that's uh-huh. actually North Mississippi. I've I've just found this out. Like Starkville like is kind of central Mississippi. Well, I've always like called central. I've always called Louisville and Starkville central Mississippi, but technically it's from what I understand, I was corrected that it is actually North Mississippi. Mm-hmm. So North Mississippi Central Mississippi is like kind of like Central Mississippi is like Jackson and stuff. And all that. That's what North Mississippi is. Well, that's what I can like South Haven to Iuka basically is North Mississippi. That's what I would consider North Mississippi, yeah. but they're apparently the only on the map. Podcast topic for we need to have this. This thing gets to be a summer show. We could talk about like how do you perceive Mississippi? I like yeah, it. and see like I you know, I don't know what exactly is considered the Pine Belt. Like I know I know certain parts of the Pine Belt, but I don't know where it cuts off. Yeah, I don't know what's like, you know what do we when do we start calling there, like, the coast? like pedal West Jones. Wayne County, Perry Central, all that. That's all. Shout out like to Mont- like Monticello. Is that no, technically? That's not the that's not, that's no. not the Pine Belt either. No, no. Okay, that is so like gotta Central be... Mississippi. This, 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 we, we can't. We, we, we could be the whole show. We got to stop. We got to stop here. See, if that's Central Mississippi, then that's completely out of my understanding. And yeah. like you know, Jackson's like I guess Central McGee Mississippi. Is Central Mississippi. McGee and Mendenhall to me are Central Mississippi. Jackson is Central Mississippi. See, I'm I'm moving towards South Mississippi when I'm when I think it's, McGee it's and Central. Mize and yeah and the, and places like that. Yeah, but well, we gotta uh, stop. We gotta stop. Strange. We don't coffee. have. To, we don't have we don't, to. We don't have to. But we got. We want to talk about the basketball game. We got. We got to stop. College oh, yeah. Corner and CollegeCornerStore.com. I talked to the guys at College Corner. They have got a whole new 
uh, shipment of, of great new merchandise coming in very, very soon. They'll be updating the website. They got a great new, uh, three new Mike Leach tribute shirts that just came in this week. Uh, I, t- I tweeted out a picture of one of them I thought was really cool. It's the uh, it's the logo off the helmet from the uh, ReliaQuest Bowl on a maroon, maroon shirt with white, with white uh, logo. I thought it was really cool. Check those out at collegecornerstore.com or at the two locations in the Jackson area, originally by Fleet Feet, flowed by the Half Shell. College Corner, they've got everything maroon and white that you're looking for. Restaurant Tyler is Starville's flagship restaurant. That is the place you will find me for lunch, dinner, and brunch on a good week. If I can go to the restaurant Tyler for three different meals in one week, well, buddy, I must have hit the jackpot because I am a lucky, lucky man. Best Southern cooking in town, great blue plate for lunch, great white tablecloth dinner, and then for brunch, there's a reason there's always a line out the door at Restaurant Tyler. It is Starkville's flagship restaurant. Speaking of Central Mississippi, Priority One Bank wants to remind you that they want to make you their priority. 16 locations in Central Mississippi, and of course, the Priority One banking app, mobile banking, lets you manage multiple accounts, transfer funds, pay bills, and so much more. It's all condensed and streamlined for your smartphone. Give them a call today if you for any banking needs you have. And of course, don't forget, they make your life a lot easier because they provide local decisions at each one of their branches when it comes to making a loan. Priority One Bank, let Priority One Bank make you their priority. Mississippi State basketball's priority is winning basketball games. And they have made that a priority, and they are doing it, Robbie Falk. Another win on Saturday night, and honestly, their most uh, impressive performance of the season. Led throughout the game except for a 26-26 tie uh, with a few minutes left in the first half. And from that spot, Mississippi State went on a 7-1 to run, took a six-point uh, six lead into the locker room, and then just... Controlled the second half, start to finish, never trailed again, led by as many as 15, and get a 63-52 win over Missouri. The most impressive stat to me is Missouri came into this game averaging 83 points per game, and State held them to 52. We talked, well, I guess we didn't really get a chance to talk because we missed the fr- I missed the Friday show, but I mentioned it on Sports Talk Mississippi that I was interested to see the contrast of styles. You know, the sledgehammer defense of Mississippi State versus the high-octane offense of Missouri. These two teams will play each other twice this year. Round one goes to Mississippi State in pretty impressive fashion. You were there, Robbie, too, for for a men's game. Yeah, I was. um, And so were you. Yes. Um, I'm always there. I'm just saying, like, normally the men's games, you aren't there. Yeah. You know, a lot of times there's conflict or, you know, somebody has – somebody else is working or whatever. But I wanted to provide a little extra – content but anyway I, this game against Missouri when you're playing teams like Alabama and, and Tennessee and Missouri that have you know efficient explosive offense they have the ability to score a lot of points Mississippi State's formula is to what I call muddy it up um, make it a defensive ball game keep the keep the score low because state's never going to come out there and consistently score you know, 75 to 80 points. Um, if you look back at their at the SEC schedule, and really pretty much all year, I mean, you're scoring in the 60s almost every game. Mm-hmm. And that's fine if your defense can come out and shut down an opposing offense. This isn't a team that's going to want to get in a shootout. They've gotten, they've gotten into a couple of them this year. Tennessee, I thought at home for a little bit, was turning into a shootout and, and State eventually kind of gave in 
of couldn't score, couldn't outscore Tennessee. Um, you know, TCU kind of turned into a shootout there late in the ball game as well. But you look at the two Alabama games and what State was able to do in those two games, and I thought limited Alabama uh, for a good portion of that ball game until later on in the first meeting was really good against Alabama at Bama. You have to have that same kind of game defensively against Missouri in this one because Missouri's offense is right there with Alabama. I mean, point one points behind Alabama in points per game. Mm-hmm. This is an offense every bit as difficult to defend as Alabama's, and that's one of the better offenses in the country when you're talking to Alabama. So the efficiency is high. The three-point shooting is really good. Uh, the scoring, obviously, is really high for Missouri. State had to come into this game. They had to force a lot of missed shots from the outside from Missouri, had to rebound the basketball well. Missouri, not a great rebounding team, and I thought State did exactly what they had to do on the defensive end. They did exactly what they had to do in the offensive end. I thought Tolu Smith was going to be a key to that ball game, dominating inside. And almost every possession in the first half, you go back and watch, the ball's getting inside of Tolu Smith. Mm-hmm. It was very apparent that they were feeding Tolu Smith in that ball he game. He played at a really high level the last yeah. – going back to the Alabama game, the, the loss. He, They've had the right game plan with him the whole time, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it's been – get the ball inside, get him to the foul line, or get him to finish around the rim. He hadn't been able to finish at the rim uh, a lot of times consistently. I thought he did that pretty well against Missouri, and he was getting to the foul line, and what did he do? He made his shots. The the season's completely different if Mississippi State can make their free throws consistently. Yeah. And 18-25 from the free throw line, solid. Mm-hmm. Tolu Smith, 9-12. And that's a guy that I, I had the um, numbers on it yesterday. 33% in his first four games, 11 to 33. Last seven SEC games, 29 for 44. And that'll play, man. I mean, you would like to see that number come up even more. But to make a, a jump twice what it was in the first four games is really impressive. And – He's going to get those opportunities. That's been Chris Jan's goal is to have his players um, get to the foul line and score because this isn't a team that shoots the the three-pointer well at all. Right. And it's tough for this team a lot of times to score. If you can get three points from the line with the clock stopped and all that, I mean, that's the way to go. I think that's that's what he's wanting to to do with this team because they just can't shoot the three very well. Yeah. And now they're starting to to reap the benefits of practicing those free throws and, and getting better and better. Three of 20 from three-point range was Mississippi State, which means they were 18 of 30 inside. That's 60% shooting from inside, but only 15% from outside. Uh, I mean, if they were just a little bit better, and Eric Reed, this poor guy, beyond a slump at this point, he's one for his last 22 from behind the three-point line. He was 0 for 6 on Saturday night to the point where I think Missouri purposely left him. He was so, wide open. He was wide open because they just knew he's like he's not going to make it, so it's just as good as a turnover for us. And Zero that, points that, in 21 minutes. That's tough. That's very tough. DJ Jeffries plays, plays hard, though. Yeah. Jeffrey's three-point shooting is still a nightmare, but he was 4 of 9 from the field with three dunks. I think he that needs to be the role for him, the slasher. Get to the rim. Yeah. And and I and, and I think we, he they deserve special credit. He and Cam Matthews, you know, with I, I what five six minutes left in the game, 
State has Deshaun Davis, or maybe longer than that, Deshaun Davis and Shaq Moore with four fouls. So they go to a very unusual lineup. Matthews, Jeffrey, Stevenson, um, uh, Tolu, and I think Eric Reed was out there for a good good portion of that. And Matthews and, and DJ had to, had to bring the ball up the court and play the role of the point guard. And they did a great job. And they, they were able to maintain and expand the lead. Uh, for Mississippi State, and of course, defensively, that matchup, that 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 lineup's a nightmare. There's so much length and athleticism on the court for everybody. Stevenson continues to get better each week. Four of eight shooting for him, ten points. He had a monster alley oop, as did Shaq Moore. I thought State's been sort of pushing the the Stevenson alley oop. I thought the Shaq Moore one was more impressive. I don't know why. Maybe it's because he's a littler guy. They've been pushing that one too. Yeah, yeah. That um, the way yeah. that that dude just like can can fly just amazes me. Not the biggest guy out there, and he can just you know hit. He, he don't mind coming in there and getting a rebound on a on a six eight six nine guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll get up there and fly. And what I like about you know DJ Jeffries and Cam Matthews when they commit to they're getting in the lane and they're going to go slam it. They they get in the lane and they go slam it. Yeah, there is no hesitation. They're they're going full speed ahead, and you can either stand in there and and maybe you can get a charge or something. Or you can get out of the way, and that's that's what they're doing right now. And nobody wants to really stand in the way of Cam Matthews or DJ Jeffries, I don't think. But yeah. I thought DJ played well. The, the three point shooting still an issue, and I think you got to dial back the three pointers with with Reed and Jeffries. But you're wide open is the is the problem. You have a wide open shot. You would think that's a high quality shot for a lot of guys on this level because there's no one around you and take the three points, but they just can't make them. Um, I thought DJ hit a big one in the second half. That was the only one that he was able to make. But none of Eric Reed's would fall, and everybody was just, you know, kind of on the edge of their seat, waiting for it to happen. It just it just didn't. But um, another really good game off the bench from Tyler Stevenson. Tyler Smith was great. Shaquille Moore wasn't his best game the last few weeks, but he was in and out with foul troubles, and um, I thought did you know did a good job defensively again, but. State State's defense allows them the opportunity to 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 have those droughts on the offensive end because you know that the defense is going to be able to kind of keep your head above water. And there was 13 minutes stretching from the first half to the second half where Missouri made one shot. And I know it's on the road in the SEC, and I know things can get dicey on the road and things like that, but to hold anybody – to one shot in 13 minutes is is pretty good. To do it to an offense that is used to scoring a lot of points and being a high efficiency offense is really impressive. And it's not like you know they were just out there throwing up bricks wide open. I mean, State was defending really well. So uh, just continue to be amazed by this by this group on that end of the floor. I did have one complaint Saturday night. It was advertised as Jeff Malone night. I thought yeah, that meant is... Jeff Malone was going to be there. Like instead, they had like a graphic about him in the first half, and then they showed a like thirty second clip of him from the Dear Old State podcast that I guess he's going to be on this week or next week, whenever. And didn't he, he say there. on there like you? Didn't he say on there like you guys need to bring me down there and invite yeah, like, me down there? What was the point? Like I don't understand why. Maybe it's because it was two four, and that was his number. Maybe that's why they went that way. But like I was really disappointed he wasn't at the game. And I mean, uh, 
there has to have been like some miscommunication or something weird. Maybe he, maybe last minute he couldn't make it down or something, and that that's understandable if that's if that's you know what it is. But yeah, it was kind of strange. Yeah, that's and just, they just kind of like threw up a graphic and like, hey, it's Jeff Malone night, and then did that show that interview, and it's him saying in the interview, "You guys need to invite me down there for a game." <laughs> that's weird. All right, but they had kill Patrick. Uh, Cal Patrick Wells. Wells, yeah. Yeah, he was there. He was there. All right, so let's look at the upcoming schedule for Mississippi State because this is what we've got to do now. This is how we have to look at things now because we have well, this to is what This is what we've been doing for a while. We, yeah. we used to do this all the time on the show last year, but it was like hopeful Well, it was more like to see how far State had fallen. You yeah. Know, now it's, it's now, rising to. So, yeah, and you're kind of counting wins at this point. Yeah. So State currently four. <laughs> Excuse me. Currently, forty sixth in the net. Uh, they were up from forty nine with that win. Two quad one wins. That's Marquette, and uh, oh, they just had one the other day, didn't didn't they? What was it? Oh, TCU. And then three quad two wins. So those wins are the win Saturday night against Missouri, the win against Utah in the. Uh, the Fort Myers Invitational, and that win is going to fluctuate all year between Quad One and Quad Two. Utah had a bad loss on Thursday, and they dropped down to fifty-five. But as long if they get back in the top fifty, it goes to Quad One. And then the win against Akron. Akron is currently ninety-third uh, in the in the net. A Quad One win over a top one hundred. I'm sorry, a win over a top one hundred net team. I'm sorry, I, I, I'm, I'm going to get net straight eventually. A team ranked fifty-one through 100 in the net on a neutral site is a quad two win. So State's win against Akron in the Barstool Invitational, that is a quad two win for Mississippi State. Looking at some upcoming games. LSU this Wednesday. LSU is currently... Oh, they're down there, buddy. 139. That would be a... That's a quad three game. So State cannot afford to lose that game. Can't lose that. Right. Then they go to Arkansas. Arkansas is currently uh, 29th. That means that's a quad one opportunity for Mississippi State. I don't know if you saw this or not, Robbie, but I, and, our, and our listeners, but Arkansas had to battle to the very end against South Carolina. They won by one point in Columbia this past Saturday. And South Carolina had the ball twice under a minute with a chance to take the lead and couldn't get it done. So Oof. Arkansas beatable. Kentucky is currently going to be a quad two opportunity, but the Wildcats are 31st in the net. It's a one through 30 at home. So if Kentucky can win a couple of games next weekend, and I don't know Kentucky's schedule off the top of my head, but that could become another quad one opportunity for Mississippi State. Ole Miss on the road, uh, it would be a quad uh, three. Oh, no, sorry, quad two. That's a quad two opportunity. 76 through 135. Is the uh, is a quad two? Ole Miss is currently one twenty five. So, so that, they're higher. They're lower they're higher than, than LSU. LSU. They're higher than LSU. Oh God! Yeah. What is LSU's record here? LSU is twelve and eleven. LSU has one quad one win and two quad two wins, and then they're nine and zero quad two and quad or quad three and quad four. L- Ole Miss. That's weird that Ole Miss is higher. Ole Miss has a quad three loss and a quad four loss. Why are they higher? I don't. I don't know. That's one of the things I don't understand. But Ole Miss is one twenty five. Their their only win in SEC play is South Carolina. South Carolina. And 
They they have Ole two Miss. wins. They have two wins in two months. Yeah. But they have three wins in two months. Ole Miss at one twenty five. They if, I mean they play three games between now and Mississippi State. If they lose all three, they could slip and it would become a quad three game uh, for Mississippi State. They can beat they can beat South Carolina. Looking at the schedule, they can beat mm-hmm. South Carolina. They could beat LSU possibly. Mm-hmm. All right, then states at and Missouri. that's that's it. States at Missouri. That is a quad one opportunity as it sits right this second. Texas A&M comes to Starkville. That's a quad two opportunity. Texas A&M is currently 41st in the net. Uh, If they can combine a couple more wins, that can become a really big win for State. But as it is, it's a quad two opportunity right this second. Uh, After that, South Carolina, as we know, is a quad four game. And then Vanderbilt, surprisingly enough, where Vanderbilt is on the the net. uh, Let me double check where I had them. I think they were at 90. Are they at 108? That is a quad one game on the road to finish the season. I'm sorry, quad two game on the road to finish the season. So State has some resume-building opportunities that you might not have expected. You would not expect Ole Miss and uh, Vanderbilt to be quad two possibility wins, but they are. They are. And State has still has three, I think, uh, two or three quad one, yeah, three quad one opportunities left. I'm going to make an assumption that Kentucky can get another win and be in the top 30 by the time they come to Starkville. Yeah, so far, State's holding chalk on this um, last half of the schedule stretch. Three and zero. They won all three of these games. TCU was the big one to get. They needed it, and just couldn't couldn't afford to lose South Carolina. But TCU to get a quad quad one win like that was huge. Just to get a win. Um, yeah, and it, it's good for your resume too. But um, you know, at the tail end here, have to win on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of games that you can afford to lose. Mm-hmm. I think you can Saturday, afford to lose. You can afford to lose to Arkansas. You can afford to lose to Missouri. Mm-hmm. And you might be able to to afford to lose to Kentucky. If you mm-hmm. lose those three games you and win, win your other games, I still think that State, if that's how it plays out, and your three losses are to Kentucky, Arkansas, and Missouri. 10 in the conference, 20 and 11 overall. Yeah, I still think that they can get in there. There's, I know there's people that disagree with they me. They would on be that, on the I, bubble. They would probably need a win, maybe two wins in Nashville. Yeah. But we'll maybe see. even just one. So, all right. I will try not to say the word quad for the rest of the podcast. I will see if I can avoid that <laughs> at all. I'm good quad. with that. Yeah. All right. Let's move on into the rest of the show. That's brought to you by our friends over at the Mississippi Beef Council. Who want to remind you that beef, it is what's for dinner. It's what was for my dinner tonight. I had a big old Mississippi pot roast, my friend. It was. Ooh, yummy. Good. good. Strong. Love it. When you're cooking out this week, hey, look, the weather's starting to pick up a little bit, getting a little warmer outside. It was lovely outside today. Now's the time to fire up the grills, and that's when the time comes to put the red meat out there. The steaks, the burgers, the tri-tips, the briskets. This is get, We're getting closer and closer every day to grilling season and getting closer and closer every day to baseball season, which means you'll be cooking out in the left-field lounge. Use the red meat. Get some beef. That's the way to go. Everybody loves it. Everybody will love you when you cook the beef. Beef, it's what's for dinner, thanks to our friends at the Mississippi Beef Council. Two Brothers Smoked Meats in the heart of the Cotton District is the place to find smoked southern soul food. It's just so good. You know, there there are two things, there are two places in town I don't like to go because of temptation. One is Kroger. Because every time I get out of the car, I smell Popeye. You see, I thought you were about to say you saw Paul Jones. Hey, man. 
I know, but I I do see Paul a lot at Kroger. But no, I smell Popeyes every time. I'm like, oh my gosh, shouldn't I just go get Popeyes? But the other place, I don't like to go places in the Cotton District unless I'm going to Two Brothers because I smell Two Brothers. I just walk out of like the the the, the aroma of Two Brothers is just like, man, maybe I should just go eat there. And nine times out of ten, I do. Nine times out of ten, I do. So if you're going to be in Starkville this weekend or any other weekend or whenever you head to town, you make sure you've got to stop at Two Brothers on your agenda. Great products, great services, what every business offers you. Advantage Business Systems, they deliver it to you, and they have been for 48 years. When you need uh, any kind of office supply, any kind of technology, copiers and printers, computers, laptops, whatever it is, you call Advantage Business Systems, and then when the sale is made, you have that relationship with them, and then when you need service, you just call back and talk to the same people. No out of seat, overseas uh, call center, no out-of-state consultant, no seven to ten business days. Somebody who can help you out within hours, usually, of your first call. The number is 601-362-9192, or visit them online, absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems will help your business do business. Robbie, we had I got a tweet the other day from somebody who was like, hey, I needed some some equipment for my office, and I, call, I, I dealt with Advantage Business Systems, and I didn't have to look up their number. Nice. He said it was burned into his memory from listening to this podcast. So that's good. That is a that that's a loyal listener right there that just listens just that's straight through the ads. I appreciate that absolutely. Uh, the Rogue, their collegiate collection. You know, now's the time. Now's that interesting time between pullovers and polos. Right? You got to you got to make a decision one way or the other. You want the top of the line stuff. You want the best looking stuff with the logos that you want on it. You're going to shop at the Rogue and shop their collegiate collection. Don't forget also the Rogue is a sponsor of the Bulldog Initiative and Bulldog NIL. They have, they have several student athletes who are making money every single time you make a purchase from the Rogue. Can't do better than that, guys. Shop at the Rogue.com on the line or shop at the Rogue in Jackson. Don't live the three-stripe life. Shop at the Rogue. Robbie, our long national saga is finally over. We finally got confirmation that Dylan Johnson is headed to Seattle to play for the Washington Huskies, reaffirmed his commitment, however you want to look at it, uh, last week. We didn't get a chance to talk about that. How close it – what was the closest you ever felt like he might be returning to Mississippi State? Um, Shortly after his visit, um, whenever he came down here, spent time with the – the players and the coaches, I thought it was trending that direction. And I think it was. I, th- I think that things were, you know, going good. There was, there were some players as late as last week um, that I had heard were telling people that uh, Dylan was, was coming back. So it was still kind of up in the air and, and stuff. And I don't think anybody really truly knew like what he was going to do. And then he's, you know, he's, Still been on campus some a little bit, but I think he finally decided. And at a certain point, you know, with State and Ole Miss already in school, he was going to have to make a decision whether he wanted to stay here or go to uh, Washington, which is got a little bit different academic calendar, a lot different academic calendar than than State and Ole Miss, and he he didn't have to jump back on board. Um, quite as quickly. So I think he just kind of decided that was the direction to go um, and wish him well, obviously. I mean, I, I, I don't have uh, 
any hard feelings myself. Right. With Dylan, I mean, he he didn't hurt my feelings at all. But I know a lot of people were upset about how everything played out. But at the end of the day, he's not a bad kid. Comes from a good family. He worked his butt off for Mississippi State. Um, played really hard. I mean, best of luck to him. Yeah, I, I totally agree, agree with that. So now looking for, from a Mississippi State perspective, you know, there was a lot of talk, you know, when 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 you thought Johnson, you know, right after he made his announcement, you were like, okay, he's not coming back. That State was going to go into the portal. I know that uh, Cavassier Smoke was the name that came up. I forget the name of the kid from Wake Forest whose name came up a couple of times. Do you think State looks at a running back when we get to May and the portal opens back up? It's possible. I'm I'm kind of at the point now where I just don't think it's needed that much. But, you know, I'll, a couple injuries, and that changes your whole thought process. Uh, but, I mean, you're looking at right now you have four scholarship guys, and I'm sure you'll add – you know, a transfer, not a transfer, but you'll probably add a walk-on or something like that. And when you start getting down to the, the fourth string, you're going to have some diminished talent anyway from the top of the roster. So I just – I don't know if it's that big of a issue for them. They just brought in a junior college guy, number one junior college running back in the country, Jeffrey Pittman, who I think is perfectly capable of – rotating in and out with Simeon Price and Jaquavis Marks. And listen, State's going to use the running backs a lot more than they did in, in the air raid, from at least from a design run perspective. Mm-hmm. So those guys are going to take more hits. And maybe they do need another guy. I don't know. I, I don't it's, think it's a necessity, but... Yeah. It just feels like, like four running backs. Which, and, and you know there's at least one or two walk-ons that we're just not familiar with. Right, it's like four backs should be able to hold it down. I mean, you would think you only had three last year before you got into, into walk on guys. I mean, I know Jernigan was on scholarship, but I mean he was a walk on. So yeah. I, I just feel like the, I understand they're going to be more guys running the football. Plus, Mike Wright's going to take some of those carries too. I would imagine possible. So I, I would I, I would think I think four is enough. I think I think it, it's the sort of the same way we did when we talked about receiver, right? We we said unless there's a guy that you really feel good about, you don't worry about it. And they felt really good about Freddie Roberson. I think when you get into May, if there's a guy in there that you just can't pass up, and he's interested, then yeah, go ahead and, and bring him on in. But if if it's a stretch, if it's a depth guy, just sort of go with what you got and and maybe figure it out next year. And, and I'm, I'm, we're being totally honest here. And this is just a prediction. It's just speculation. But I fully expect within a year, Dante Dowdle to be back in Mississippi at Mississippi State. I think that's possible. I think the good thing is for Mississippi State, I, you know, I said this at the latter part of his recruitment. Mm-hmm. State got in back in the good graces with him, right. recruited him really hard there at the end. They had pretty much no chance of landing him. Right. But what you did is you put that seed in to if he does get in the portal, hey, you remember coming up here on some visits, you had a mm-hmm. good relationship with Jason Washington who's still on staff. Mm-hmm. You'll work a lot with him because he's director of player development. And, all and now stuff. we have a more running back friendly offense. For right. You. And this offense is perfect for you. Your family can see you play. I mean, I, I like to sell. I, I, he, could, he could very well spend his entire career at Oregon. Mm-hmm. But 
history we says that it will not. Yeah. So that's why okay. you you still recruit these guys hard. You have these good relationships, and when they enter the portal, you're waiting there with open arms. And I think that's a possibility down the line. Surely that will be the last bit of player movement we have to deal with until we get to May. Oh, I cannot you would imagine. think. You would think. You would think. One last thing before we go. We're going to talk about a team outside of Mississippi. We're talking about Alabama here for a second. Uh, as you know, Alabama had to – and look, coaching turnover at Alabama has become a thing, right? It's just year in, year out, their guys get plucked or their guys move on for whatever reason. Now, you know, with with O'Brien, he took a, an NFL job. He, I, I really still sort of feel like he's an NFL guy. I, I You know, I always have. Um, and a chance to be the offensive coordinator for the Patriots. That's that's a top, top gig. Golding, he is literally the only Alabama coach to take what is at its absolute best a lateral move. And I I don't think it's a lateral move at all. Yeah, he took a the step. only people the only people that believe that he truly well, we know who they are, but, right. but that he, he truly he left there because he wanted to get, to go to Ole Miss, right. Ole Miss fans. down. There's just, there's no there's no getting around that. Alabama's a better football program than Ole Miss. Period. So they moved they moved on from him, folks. Yeah, there's, there's Nick no Saban's problem. allowed him to save face, mm-hmm. but they he was he was encouraged to go try something else. So my thought process in this was okay. Saban sees Georgia. He sees what they're doing. He's like, I have got to really nail these hires so that we can get back on top. And then he went out and got two guys that I would just, you know, to quote the great Maxwell Jacob Friedman, kind of mid. I don't, I don't get the I don't get the hate for Kevin Steele. I thought he was solid just, DC. That's the he's just good. You're Alabama. You can't get a great defensive coordinator. Um, apparently not. I'll be totally honest. If I'm Southern, if I'm uh, if I'm Alabama, I might just let the kid from Southern do this. Yeah, maybe he is. I think maybe that he... guy is a prodigy. He'll be a head coach someday. He, I mean, what he was doing at USM this past year—crazy how good they were defensively. Well, and they might be. Reason. You know, this might be a, a. You know, they might bring in Kevin Steele to kind of be sort of the bridge, like the supervisor for yeah. him, and he's just well, to make sure he doesn't screw up. I get that, but you have Saban there. He could yeah. just do that. So there's that. But then. Tommy Reese, I mean, this is not a guy known for innovation, not a guy known for high scoring, high octane offenses. Maybe a you know a young guy, so maybe you know he provides some recruiting leverage. But this is Alabama; they have recruiting leverage. They don't they don't need to hire elite recruiters. They, everybody there is going to be an elite recruiter. They're not going to work there. That's how Saban yeah. operates. I don't get it. And to me, and I know I'll probably eat these words when Alabama wins another national title this year. But to me, this process has been like the first, it's not a big one, but the first tiny little crack for me in the dynasty. I thought on offense they started moving that direction after Sarkeesian. Mm-hmm. You had two guys that I thought, and Sarkeesian so far hasn't been you know super impressive, but he's a good, his offense is fun, it's innovative, it's explosive. He was a good um, follow up from Lane Kiffin. I thought Lane Kiffin changed the game for Alabama as their OC. He took them into the new age of college football, took them out of their, you know, pro style looking offense, ground and pound. Mm-hmm. 
and made them a very innovative offense and was very that was a very difficult team to stop when you had all that elite talent doing what it did and Sarkeesian did kind of stacked on top of that. Mm-hmm. You move you move completely away from that with Bill O'Brien. I th- I was never impressed with that hire from the start. Didn't think it was didn't think he was going to be anywhere close to Lane Kiffin or Steve Sarkeesian. Right. And their offense was just was never really that great the last couple of years to me. Like that it wasn't near what it was um with Jalen Hurts and even Jalen Hurts, a guy that they kind of threw off to the side to uh, guys like that. Mm-hmm. And of course you had this great wide receiver groups that they had the last couple of years have just been okay. And I think that's, you're about to continue the, you know, okay offenses that they have. And, and the defenses haven't been super dominant either. Um, and I don't, you know, Kevin Steele is probably going to be a little similar to Pete Golding from a production standpoint. I think he might be a little better. I thought what he did at Auburn was good, and he's going to have probably more talent than he had at Auburn. Yeah, but at the same time, it's just n- nothing that's yeah. that scares you a whole lot. They feel They're, average. They feel average to me. Yeah, I, I and they'll continue to have great players, and that will oh, supplement yeah. a lot of their losses. And and with Alabama, this is the first time in a long time that I mean, who's the quarterback? Is it going to be Simpson? Is it going to be Milrow? Or will they go into the portal? In May, I, I don't know the answer to that. And so. what's really interesting with Alabama, if you take, and th- this is true for law schools, I get it, but this is just kind of an example. You know, Alabama won an, a national championship when it inserted. I think Tua was a freshman mm-hmm, true when fact. he came in the game. He came in the ball game and they they won the national title, uh, and he was the number two guy. If Bryce Young was not on this team this year. They they might have been like eight. They have one of their worst seasons under yeah. Saban. Really well, their worst season four. since like his second year, I think. Yeah. Um, Bryce Young saved their tail mm-hmm. many times just just being Bryce Young. So, so it's the, you're starting to see a little bit of a chink in the armor. Um, so that's got to be a little concerning for the team, I would imagine. I said it a few weeks back, and I will say it again. I really do think that when we get to uh, to Nash July and and then we go to Nashville for SEC Media Days. I'm going to vote LSU number one in the West. Is that where SEC Media Days is this year? Mm-hmm. I'm going to actually go to that. Yeah, let's go. I'm a big fan of Nashville. Tell your boy Hardy to meet us up there, and uh, <laughs> I'm we'll sure he will. That town. That's I'm awesome. sure he will. Yeah, uh, yeah. Nash Nashville, and then I I I think it's Dallas next year, <sighs> and then it's St. Louis. Ugh. That's gonna be. A, I'm gonna have to fly. I'm flying to that one. I hate the fact that Missouri is now considered part of the SEC. I, I I would agree with you, but after my trip to St. Louis, I'm totally cool to go back there. That was a fun. I mean, it's it's. I like to go in the but, summer too. You know, we get we can get a Cardinals game in. It'll be fun. I've been to a Cardinals game once. It's nice. Yeah. I just it's just so weird to me that yeah, Missouri. And they're in the East too, which is so weird. That would be the first. No, Atlanta. Atlanta has got the has been, and, and Nashville's in the East too. So, of course, what's funny is you say they're in the East. We have to travel west to get there, though. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, they're they're in the western part of the SEC footprint, mm-hmm. but they're in the SEC East. By the time we get there, there shouldn't be a West and an East, though. I hope so. Yeah. 
So, all right. I hope we're I hope we're about to change all that stuff. Let's up. talk about that tomorrow. The 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 looks like the delay in the SEC, maybe expanding and bringing in Texas, Oklahoma. What does that mean for Mississippi State? We can talk about that tomorrow. Um, we'll we'll continue to preview basketball. Continue to talk about that. And then also sometime this week, I want to talk. I want to look at the class of 2024. Let's get some early thoughts on recruiting here in the state of Mississippi. Looks like it's going to be a pretty good class. There's a lot of talent on the defensive line, and that's where Mississippi State should be able to get a few quality guys. We'll see what, what we can talk about this week. Guys, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it, and we'll talk to you again very soon. For Robbie Falk, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi Media Production.